te whanau o tūtāne, nau mai whakahoki mai ki te kōnai i pūrangi nei, a tūtāne, pai ki te hoki mai koutou i tēnei rā, ko tēnei te kaupeka tuarua, wāhanga tuatoru. Hello to the Becoming Tāne family, glad that you could come back. This is Season 2, Episode 3. This is the podcast where guys can learn and grow from other guys that may be struggling with the same challenges as you. In this episode, we'll be talking to Ricky Solomon. Rick shares some words of wisdom he picked up along the way. But before we talk to him, I'll share a little background information on Ricky. Rick was born in Hastings. He is the Matamua, or oldest, in his whānau. His whānau is a blended whānau, and there are 10 siblings between two whānau. Ricky went to the following schools, Alsthorpe Primary School, Te Mata School, Te Hauke School, Hastings Boys High, Church College of New Zealand. Once he finished high school, he also completed a national certificate in embalming from the Central Institute of Technology. Ricky has a master's degree in applied indigenous knowledge from Tewānanga Aotearoa and is currently working towards his doctorate of indigenous development and advancement at Te Whareuānanga or Awanuārangi. Rick had a couple of jobs growing up. One, while they lived on the farm, he worked on the farm, and then on the milk truck, delivering milk around the community. Once he completed his education after high school, um, he worked in the a funeral industry as an embalmer and funeral director for over 20 years. Rick is currently doing work uh, with Tūruki Health as Manmataka Māori. It does the same sort of work with Mahiatsua, in regards to the Maramataka, and he contracts to various Māori kaupapa. Rick has been married to Renee for over 20 years. Rick claims that Renee chased him, but somehow I don't believe it. Rick and Renee have two amazing children, their daughter Arwen and their son Odin. This is Street Talk. What is your definition of masculinity? Masculinity to me means standing in your strength and your power as a male, showing up in your true form, ensuring that you can be a leader and not overuse your power as a male, but ensuring that Anything and everything you do as a male is true. Masculinity to me is fatherly touch that people need sometimes. So that stability, that confidence that they can lean on someone for that, that strength that some people just need in times of need. Being in touch with all of them, so being in touch with love, peace, success, vulnerability, well-being, resilient and leadership I think that's um, pretty uh, important things to be in, on top of really to um, to be really masculine to me masculinity is attributes of strength both emotionally physically but it can also mean not being afraid 
in particular to show your feelings to those that you love? Means just sort of being man up for a lot of stuff, you know. Um, own up to your problems, being face to face, you know, if you had a issues or things if you need to solve out with someone, you know, like just be man up about it. You've heard what these guys said about masculinity. What's your definition of masculinity? Joining me on the Becoming Tani podcast, I'm looking to sharing your story with our listeners today. Rick, I believe that we are who we are because of the experiences we have in life. What two events in your life has had the greatest impact on you? The big One of the big ones is when my parents uh, divorced way back in 1985, I think it was, 84, 85. It had an impact and really didn't know the impact that they had in terms of my own relationship with my my wife and and my daughter. The positive that came out of it, I got to live with my grandparents and learn so much of them. They had a significant, so when that significant event was, in my story that I told myself was, hey, my mum left, um, and you just can't trust, can't trust uh, wahine because they leave. And... And so I had the story. Then when my sister moved up, it just re, uh, reconfirmed that, that story again, that, hey, you just can't trust them. They leave. And, and so the impact was that really never getting really close to, or too close uh, to Wahine. And it wasn't until about 2007 as the second significant event, or the significant event was in 2000. I got married to my wonderful wife, and she was beautiful. But in 2007... It got to a point where I couldn't talk to her and she was probably ready to, to leave. Uh, well, she was ready to kick me out of the house, really. And it was, I went on this course uh, called Landmark Education. And Landmark Education is that you educated you, you about yourself, your stories, the decisions and choices that you made and didn't realize how much impact in my my parents' divorce had and the story that I had made up about my mum leaving and that you can't trust her. And so my wife would used to go to me before there's everything I can. I go, you know, I'm fine. But I'll just shut shop, wouldn't talk, wouldn't open up. And the impact, and it was frustrating you because I was going through stuff, but I just couldn't talk to her because in my whakaro or my thought pattern was don't share too much and give 100% of your heart because she'll leave. But in being that way, she was going to leave anyway, which was just reconfirming that that story. So I went on then, I just found out how much, um, I suppose, hidden the things that you don't know that are impacting you and have them being, that, that you discover them. I realized how much I hadn't connected to my wife and wasn't able to talk about things that were really personal to me or the emotions that I was going through. Um, you know, you know, I was going through those things that you're male chauvinist, uh, you're macho and masculinity, but I just didn't know how to how to communicate. But the real impact of that pudaka even went down to my daughter. Um, and we found out, it was, and my wife still remembers, and I still remember it clear as when 
we went for tests, scans, and they said, oh, it's a girl. And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, oh, she's going to leave. And that was just a more of a safety mechanism for me that, hey, I don't want to get hurt again, so don't go too, uh, don't get too close. And so I've really never uh, connected to her, maybe for the first couple of years. I loved her, but just didn't want to get too close. And and they just played out. And so that my wife was getting angry with me uh, about, you know, the way I was being. And so 2007 was a, a massive year in terms of that breakthrough and understanding that I was able to go to my mum and go to her, hey, mum, I'm sorry for the way I've been treating you. Because that was my, my um, trump card, my poker card was if anything went wrong, I always come back, hey, you're the one that left. So don't blame us. And I realized how much times I was stabbing my mum in the heart. And when I was able to complete that with her, it just opened up a whole new world. I just said, hey, I'm sorry. That was my fault. I, I made that up. And it just snowballed into my relationship with my wife. I was able to, if I was down, I was able to say, oh, I'm not happy. Uh, I'm not angry. Instead of just bottling it, all, bottling it all up, I was able to get closer to my daughter and be with her. Just totally transformational. They had a, it's a massive significant event because I would work my butt off just to avoid having to talk. And it, it was it was in 2007, I think I hit the wall at work. I just couldn't work any, I was working seven days a week, anywhere up to 12 hours a day, um, just going, going, going. But it, because the other thing that came out of that was I couldn't say no. So people ring me up, can you do this? Yes, I want to go. I go. No, 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 no. Yes, and just say yes. And so, those are, was, that was a big tr- uh, transformation for me in that year. Was two words: no, and to reconnect and have affinity and love with the significant wahine in my life, and to let, um, to I suppose tap into that that wahine element that's that being vulnerable and being um, connected with them. Yeah, it's always, I always go back to that's a, a big transformation. Even though I was raised up in a privileged home, raised up by great families, I was going to a church and getting all these gospel principles and being taught all this, you know, mātauranga Māori. But it was the stuff that was going on internally and I just didn't know how to, how to deal with. We were told to love everyone, but just didn't know that I had blocked off certain parts of my ngāko that were locked and I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to open it and needed a course to see that. And when that opened up, it's uh, a lot more open, a lot more being free with people and just be a lot more generous with my time, my heart and with my, with my whanau. It was quite interesting. My mum went on this course. It was just, I suppose, the right time, right place. My mum actually went on at first and I was like, well, she needs that. And then she brought us along as a guest. And so I signed my wife up. And said, yep, she needs to go there. This is, I'm fine. I'm absolutely nothing wrong with me. But I did sign up because I trusted my mum and I trusted my wife, my wife. And I and she wanted me to do it at the same time. And I was like, I just can't do it at that time. Come up with every excuse not to do it. But I did it about three months later. And it was just because my wife said to do it, I, I trusted her. Uh, my mum had done it and I'd seen the change in them. I just didn't think there was anything wrong with me. And there wasn't. It was just having that trust. 
And I had to do something because I had gone to the doctors and because I couldn't hold my tools. My hands were shaking. Um, I just couldn't concentrate, just couldn't sleep. And I thought, oh, and then the doc- it's not till I went to the doctors and walked into the doctors and I was just sitting there and he goes, he goes, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know. I just can't work. I just can't hold my tools. I just can't concentrate. And because with the work I do, it is very, yeah, there's some scenes that you just can't uh, unsee. I just got to a point I just couldn't do it. As soon as the doctor said to me, you've got anxiety, are you depressed? My mind was able to start figuring that out. I just didn't know where I was. But once I got that, just the doctor said, you might be this, that was enough for me to start figuring out the process or how can I get out of this? This course just happened to be there not long after that. And uh, it was amazing, absolutely amazing. Many men find it difficult to go to the doctors. What motivated you to go see the doctor? Oh, actually, my um, my wife dragged me there. I still, you know, even now, go to the doctor, no, I'm fine. Uh, but she literally held my hand and made me go to the doctor. It was just when he said that, a light bulb moment went off in my head that I was like, okay, I'm fine. I can work through this. I just didn't know where to start from. Even if we just go to the shop and we're walking to the store and the shop attendant comes up, we know we're looking for something and the shop attendant comes up, hey, can I help you with something? Straight away, us men will go, no, I'm fine. We'll rather walk the whole store trying to look for something than to show that we're, we're vulnerable. Helping people means there's a negative and it's something that's wrong. You know, it's, we never like being helped because that means I'm in a position of vulnerability. That means I'm not good enough. Those all the corridor that we go through uh, when someone's, can I help you? I did need help, but I didn't need someone to say, help you. People would go to me, oh, you just need a man up. Uh, that was the worst thing because I was like, am I not being man enough? Am I you know, you just need to pray and, and read the scripture. You just need to, you know, people from church, you just need to go to church. Well, that wasn't helping. That was just making things things worse because I just couldn't do anything. And then they say, hey, you're not doing this. And so they just continued that, that spiral. If we're going to talk to someone, the last thing you want to say is, hey, can I help you? Because the first reaction from someone is just going to be no. Even though they could be screaming for help, you just don't start with that, with that word because that means... I'm in a higher position, that you're down, that you need me. It's just that we just got to flip our thinking a bit and see how we can empower them. How would you approach somebody who obviously needed help? What would be the language you would use? It's just an, hey, how are you doing? What are you up to today? Oh, what is it you're looking for? Oh, what colour? You're coming from a different set of girl. Can I help you? They're going to go, no. But how are you? Oh, I'm great. Oh, how's your day going? Awesome. What are you up to? So you just change the conversation and come from another way and eventually get to, oh, what's the challenge you're facing now? So you, you're just using a, a different tech, getting to the same result, but just changing the language so they don't feel like that you're belittling them.
men movement is Kopapa that is helping many men in New Zealand and in Australia over the last few years. Today I have Richie Ormsby here to tell us about this movement. Richie is one of the core leaders of a men, so I'll get him to tell you a little bit about their Kopapa. Kia ora everyone, we're a not-for-profit organisation and our goal is to shift and reshape the narrative of what it means to be a strong person and that's through helping ourselves and others feel comfortable enough and vulnerable enough to express their thoughts, feelings and emotions and to know that it's okay to do so. Uh, We want to provide an environment and build a community that's built around inclusiveness, making people feel comfortable enough no matter who they are, where they're from, what their background is, what they've done to know that it's okay to be who they are and that's the kind of environment that we want to provide for people so that they can feel unjudged and be themselves. When we started Amend, it's been all built around providing and facilitating walks and workshops. Uh, Those walks and workshops have been so far conducted across Australia and also New Zealand. Those walks and workshops are designed to take people on a journey. They're conducted across a day and they're facilitated by a team of our core leaders. And what they're there to do is to help people break down walls and become vulnerable and share into a safe space. Uh, We know that when people turn up to to our workshops and and walks that there's a whole lot of walls that are up at the beginning. Um, And through that process of sharing and through the different activities that we conduct throughout that workshop or walk, people go through a a process of self-discovery. And what that really does is allows them to delve into not only who they are, but where they've come from or what's created, who they are and what they have in their life right now. Um, So we help them navigate through dealing with trauma. And those traumas can be a whole host of things. And and the space that we provide, you know, we hear and we know that often people are opening up and sharing things, sometimes for the very first time. And that can be a very liberating thing for people. It can also be a very daunting and, and scary thing for people. So it's really important that we provide the right environment that people know they're understood and they're seen. From there, uh, the aftercare that we provide is a really, really important part of, of what we do also. So feeling connected and feeling that they're a part of something, and that's where we have our men community, our men family. And that's done through our closed groups um, and also our, our pages. So we have uh, various different pages and groups, and also we have online programs as well. So if we were to to look at what a workshop and a a walk does, they're designed to really open the door. And then our online programs is where the transformations occur. And they're designed to really kick that door in, so to speak. For any more information about the Amend movement and any of their programs, Hikoi, please go to their website, which is www.amendmovement.com, which is A-M-E. E-N-D-M-O-V-E-M-E-N-T dot com. A men movement can also be found on Facebook and Instagram, so go check them out. Welcome back to the podcast, Rick. I believe each of us is born with a superpower. I define a superpower as a particular skill, ability or attribute that makes you you. It is your secret source. It is what people remember about you. 
with this premise in mind, Rick, what are your superpowers? I think one of my superpowers would be I'm super patient. You know, I'll, I'll sit and listen. I'll. Um, it's one of probably my greatest strengths is being is being patient as um, even with my children, um, family, uh, whatever they're going through, just being patient. But that sometimes is my superpower and my super weakness too. It's my greatest strength and my greatest curse. Gets me into so much trouble. Where were you? I was just listening. Well, why didn't you hang it up? Other superpowers, empathy, understanding. Basically, yeah, ability to understand where people are going through and listening. Um, listening to what people are going through and hopefully I can also reliably deliver to what they care about. Letting myself go and try and be present to the person that I'm working with. But try and be humble. It's a, a superpower. I've been humble and and been humania. It's allowing others to be to be great around you. I'd rather be the ultimate bag carrier and support people. I ha- I'm totally comfortable in that position, but at the same time, to be thrown out the front too, and and to lead the way, and just really knowing uh, knowing who I am and who they are. Rick, this is what your significant other told me about your superpowers. Superpower number one, you are a kaitiaki, you are a guardian and protector of the earth, sea, sky, and the realm of wairua. Rick, you're like a Māori version of Captain Planet plus some. Superpower number two, strength. You're very strong physically, mentally, and spiritually. Superpower number three, Humour, you're quick-witted and can break intense situations easily. Superpower number four, generosity and love. You have a huge love for people and will give your time and talents to help whoever, whenever you can. These are the superpowers your wife thinks of you. What do you think? It's quite humbling to hear it. Um, Sometimes we don't say it to each other, um, but it's beautiful to to hear that and and how she views views me but i'm blessed that she's generous and allowing me to contribute to others as well and that she's patient as you know she's amazing she's absolutely amazing and i wouldn't be able to do anything of the things i get up to without her total 100 percent support you mentioned earlier about being humble and that sometimes this can be seen as a weakness by some people. Can you talk to me about this? I think sometimes, I suppose when we talk about male, our ego, we think that we have to be forceful, we think we have to be controlling. But I'm always looking for an opportunity where it's a a win-win that both parties or whoever we're working together, it's a a win-win for everyone. And I think, and you can allow someone else to have their ego, but also be humble enough not to get caught up in that ego as well. As we say, let the air go. And some of the people I work with and be mentored with are very humble as, I think of Papa Reriata, Mark Kupu and Dai Kupu, beautiful, humble wairua. They're just so patient and generous with, with their time. I suppose it depends on where you are in your life. I see this in the education system when I was doing my master's. The ones that were up and coming, trying to climb and were young, were very 
bashful fighting and then when you listen to the when we least had the Komatu and queer who were in my opal, they'll just sit there and go, Yeah, I never saw it from that way. Just two they're in two different spaces and I find those that are where they are comfortable and they're happy with everything there. They don't have to force anything, it just flows. But if you're not your feet aren't firm and planted, you generally stand the tend to uh, stand on other people's toes and fingers trying to get to a place that I suppose not, it's not a real place. It's not even a place to be. It's just, it's within yourself. You spoke earlier about allowing others to be great around you. I've seen you do this in various settings we've been in together. It's a very admirable trait of yours. But has this been something that you've always done or has it developed? over time i think when i go back younger and i think back when i first started a business it was all about being the best and being the best um you would just push and push and push but the only one that was really suffered is really and i suppose in the words of kung fu panda age and master shifu it's about finding your inner peace and that's when it when you have your inner peace and you're settled within yourself and you don't have to prove anything. It's just so much more peaceful. You find peace within yourself and then you have that relationship with your with your children. You, I, I go to all the events. It got to a point my daughter's like, why do you come to all my events? Can you stay away, please? Um, and it's a beautiful thing because I'm always there. Or my son will be so angry with me if I just was, miss one activity at the school because I've always gone to them and I'll probably be one of the only fathers that be on school trips or it allows me to have that time with them I know a lot of our fathers want to spend so much more time with their kids but it's trying to figure out how you can make that how you can make that work Just reminding you about our t-shirts that are now for sale. You can go to our website, which is www.becomingtane.men, and on our merchandise tab is where you can access our t-shirts that are now for sale. Now, last week I told you about a couple of t-shirts that we're selling on there. I've got a couple more t-shirts that I'd like to um, highlight for you this week. The t-shirts that I'm highlighting is our Growing Great Guys t-shirt. We have that t-shirt in black, white and grey. And then the other t-shirt that I'd like to highlight this week is our G3 t-shirt. So that is our G3 t-shirt, which is just the three G's for Growing Great Guys. And that t-shirt is also in black, white and grey. There are a number of sizes you can get. So please uh, purchase a t-shirt to support uh, me developing content for the Becoming Tiny podcast and for other content that we're looking to uh, share with everyone uh, this year. So thank you for support. Once again, go out and buy you a t-shirt. 
Growing Great Guys t-shirt and our G3 t-shirt. Kilda. Welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is Ricky Solomon. Rick, I believe that life is our greatest teacher. So Rick, what has life taught you so far in your life? Oh, life is a game. It's the it's an ultimate game. It's a game that just never ends. We approach life like a game and be creative around it. Um, we have a saying at work that I always have, and being in the funeral industry, um, the saying was, people die at 20 and buried at 80. Well, it took me a little while to get that people die at 20 and buried at 80, meaning when we, in our childhood and everything, the world was our oyster. We could play, we we could imagine whatever we could, whatever we wanted to be. I was, a, you know, I remember growing up being wanted to be a fireman, a policeman, an all black, you name it, I could be anything that I wanted. And then reality hit in at the age of 20 when I went to work and then just got stuck in that rut. And so a lot of our passion in life disappears and then we just get buried at 80. Um, for those years, we're just trudging through and oblivious to everything, just going through the motions, not even being present. And so that's just a, a reminder with me. And I suppose the other one, being working in the funeral industry, is is that every day I've got a reminder how fragile life was, a, a, a constant reminder that every day is a gift. Every day you just don't know what's going to happen. And I would rather go out of this life absolutely uh, wrecked, uh, physically, given everything I can in this game, and go out really happy and being with you doing everything I can to be a great father. And I've been to funerals where they say, Dad was a great worker. He was amazing at work. But as children, we were talking about how great their dad worked at work. And I'm like, I don't know how great he worked at work. How how great was your dad at being a dad? How great were you being a husband? That's where that little shift, because work can consume us, and that's what they're saying. We spend the next 50, 60 years of work that consumes all of our time and our space. So what I've learned about life is life just comes at you, and every day you need to make a choice. You can choose what your life looks to be. And if you don't have a plan, you just end up drifting through life. Every, every year, every month, you get to create what that, what that looks like. Uh, what sort of life do you want? You know, one of the things I truly really work on in terms of my life is never really getting to know my wife. And that put me in a position that every day I have to try and get to know her. Because if I think I know her, then I'm just going to treat her as my wife. And with my daughter is trying to look at her from that I don't know her, then trying to do something to get to know her. It's a little bit of a different way of looking at life, but it just opens up a, a whole different space in terms, because when we get comfortable, we stop doing the little things that we used to do, like opening the door, doing this, because we've become comfortable with each other. And if I look at my wife and my kids as of not really getting to know them, I will just keep treating them as the best I can in the little things. 
life just comes at you. Whatever throws at you is you just quickly adapt to it. You, you can plan for things, but you know, you well, I've worked with Fano and you could be here one day gone or you got hit with an illness or could be an accident. You just got to be prepared to adapt to whatever situation that you come in. People say life's not fair, but it's what you do with it. Some of the most inspirational people I've listened to have lost everything or they are just so awe-inspiring. And, and I think what happens is a lot of us think we don't have a great story. Every single person has an awesome story. You just hear someone else's story and you make their story better than yours. Rick, if there was one thing that you would like the listeners of the Becoming Tiny podcast to take away from your cordial today, what would that be? It's never too late to change. No matter where you are and, and what stage of life is, you can transform and change any time that you choose to. Uh, people often say, you know, I'm too old, I'm past that, I can't do that. No, it's only you that's limited that. It's you are only stopping you. And go out and uh, the whakaro that we're using now was, you know, we say we look to our tūpuna, but um, be a tūpuna now. Be the tūpuna. Be a, be a legacy be the legacy now go and live an adventurous life um, I've done some some things I'm like wow you know I've done things I would never have dreamed of I grew up in a little place in, in Tehoki on the farm but one thing is you're never too old to do anything I did the New York we went to a New York marathon and, Papa, and there's a co-martyr Papa Tom he was 72 he came over and did it in the and it was something that he never did when he was younger. It just inspired me to, to see him still out there traveling around with all these young fellows and still giving everything a go. Final question. The name of the podcast is called Becoming Tani. It is named after Tani because it can be translated into English to mean man, male or husband. It is also named after Tani Mahuta, one of our Atswa, because of his desire to learn and grow. So the last question relates to this. What do you think it means to become a man? Oh, that's a good one. Tāne. Tā, you know, to be great. I often think of Tāne, and Tāne, and we do teach a lot of about him. Tāne wasn't afraid to give things a go. And Tāne didn't try to do everything himself. Tāne was a man, a atua that relied on the contributions of others. So when I think of what does it mean to become a man, a man in terms of being balanced and knowing who you are, but also allowing others to contribute to you and becoming a man. And when I'm not just talking about men teaching you to be men, it's wahine teaching you to be a, a tāne as well. So that you're you're well balanced. Imagine if you could be able to be physically strong, but also have a soft part where you're able to communicate really well in terms of that tahawahine side, where you're that feminine side that you could be soft, kind, and, and gentle. And that's when we look around of uh, around Aotearoa and have a look through a lot of things that are going through our, our tāne, 
is we're not they need to be a lot more gentle on themselves gentle on their families we have a lot of intergenerational trauma so to be kind and and to be vulnerable it's a big ask and some people will struggle with that but i they have a every tani every man in Aotearoa has a story has a puraku um, they have a journey that they be that they've been on that it will be totally inspire someone else so i suppose to become a man is to come to a place where you have that inner peace you have you can let go of the ego you become or that you are soft kind gentle but physically strong also still maintaining your your mana it's a huge question but i think that we're all striving to be that I would often say, if you ask me, am I the perfect man? No. I still have chinks in my armour, but we're striving to be a man. Rick, I really appreciate your time and the wisdom you shared with us today. Like you, I too have many chinks in my armour, and that armour needs continual mending and fixing. So again, thank you very much. Ngā mahi nui ki a koutei Thank you for joining us today. I hope you learned something from Rick's story. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening from today. You can download the Becoming Tane podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and iHeartRadio. If you'd like to contact us, our email is becomingtane at gmail.com. Our handle on Facebook and Instagram is at Becoming Tani. Our website is www.becomingtani.men. As always, I'd like to do some acknowledgement. Firstly, I'd like to acknowledge Rick for sharing your kōrero, Karno Sadler for your amazing musical talents for the podcast, Aaron and Marek Moike for your editing skills, and as always, my wife and kids for putting up with my faults. Hey, Atira Wiki, until next week. Hide it to what you, hook it to my, go well and return in good health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.